The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I opened the door and my steering wheel is missing. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Top 10 lists are the worst. Welcome back to the Staff and Grab Podcast. I'm Mike Stevens. Rachel Dory is here. So funny. It's a Rachel episode. It's a Rachel episode. How are you? You look not fantastic. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I think I must have ate something really bad or, or something. We were supposed to record like four hours before we did. It's Friday at like 4.47 right now, but I think I must have ate something bad because it just hit me and I am, this is my, I don't think I have the flu, but this is my flu game. If I can get through this, I can get through anything. So, a-okay, gonna be good. I couldn't, I couldn't miss a Rachel episode. I needed to to power through, um, and here we are. So we got we got some fun stuff to talk about uh, today. But before we talk about anything, um, we just want to extend our well wishes um, and uh, and our thoughts and, and sort of any sentiments like. That we, that we have to the family of, of Chris Snow, uh, Flames AGM, who has been battling um, uh, uh, ALS. Yeah, um, just it's, it's such a horrible, just monstrous disease. Um, and he uh, he he was in the hospital and, and since has had in the last uh, couple of hours had to be put on a ventilator. Um, you know, he's got two young children and a, and a loving wife. And we just, you know, it. it like he's far, far, far too young for any of this to happen. So, um, we just, uh, yeah, we just want to extend our, our well wishes, uh, to, to him, to his family, um, and let them know that, you know, we're thinking of them and that we're here for them with anything they could need. The whole hockey world is, but I mean, it's just, it's just horrible. Yeah. I mean, ALS at any point is really, uh, debilitating, but ALS at, at that age is not only rare, but it's, uh, it's really hard to see somebody going through that when they've got young kids uh, and a huge chunk of their life left to live. So, yeah, like Mike said, um, well wishes to their family. Um, like no one they, deserves it at, at any age. And no, but um, he's been going through uh, some medical trials for uh, kind of some therapy, um, and they seem to actually um, be having a positive impact on him so i'm hoping that he pulls through and can continue that because it looks like it was actually going um really well for him so yeah a bit of a a dreary start to the podcast but like you said it's definitely important um in the whole hockey world like kelsey's done such a great job of sharing their story and raising awareness they've done such a great job of raising money for it so um yeah just keeping them in our thoughts for sure and it was like you and i were both at the draft um we were able to see him and his family and everything, but spe- specifically him and, and, and his kids go up and, and join the Calgary Flames to make their selection, uh, which was just extremely cool to see. Like, it's, you know, the fact that he's able to still, that he was able to still, you know, like, work and contribute and, and all that is, is just, he's just a, you know, remarkable person. They're a remarkable family, um, and, and no one deserves this, but especially, uh, but especially not them. Um, and so we just hope that, f- for, like, for the love of God, we just hope that that he pulls through. Like, like the, we we hope that this is just you know like a, it's a darkest before the dawn kind of thing. Um, 
The other thing we got to address briefly um, is this is my first show since everything kind of came out. Um, I filed what I filed. I said what I said. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of it. Now it's just a process of, of waiting um, and trying to work on my own mental health and just kind of feel better. Um, because it's been really hard. Um, and now I can actually say it because I have been absolutely dying to, um, absolutely screw every single person who said that I lost my job because I slept with someone. You are the worst of the worst. And I literally hope that you get absolutely nothing for Christmas. Like you're terrible for that. Well, you know, Rachel, uh, I, I can't believe you you put out a, a, a you know just a very calculated statement about how how not only did you sleep with everyone, but you're also the uh, you're also the the solely responsible party for every bad move the Canucks have ever made. Um, and I just can't. I'm I'm just I really you know admire your honesty in that sense. I think it's really brave of you to come out and just completely you know admit that it's only been you you the person who is who arrived there like a year ago. Uh, you've actually been the whole problem. Um, uh, yeah, so. because, you know, I was always for um, signing certain players and making mm-hmm. certain moves. Um, yeah, so, like, I just kind of have to let the the process play out now. But I think, um, like, people are like, oh, why do you have your replies off on Twitter? Why do you have, like this, that, and the other. Let me just go ahead and read you a sprinkling of some of these, uh, so I opened my DM so that, um, stupid. That's it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I opened them because people were consistently just like reaching out to my lawyer and I like felt really bad. So I was like, okay, like this is an easy way for them to get to me. Like, um, it actually opened the door for like a lot of former employees to like reach out and, and share their stories with me. But like, this is a sampling of like some of the stuff I got. So, uh, from Victor, who is, this is my favorite, proud to be a pureblood. Oh, terrific. <laughs> yeah, he sounds great. Um, you are effing disgusting. Some of you vile witch women are constantly ruining things with your lies, and I'm so happy the world is starting to see your sad stop, sob stories for what they are. Grow up. Complete BS. Okay. Mm-hmm. Carry on. You're, you are solely responsible for setting women in hockey back 20 years. Hope you're proud of yourself. But your, as in you are, is spelled Y-O-U-R. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of fantastic, uh, it's all the same type of people. And honestly, like, it's just not necessary. Like you don't have to do that. I've now closed my DMS. Um, and the replies are going to stay off because it just, I don't need the vitriol and I'm not really interested in it. And so the process will play out as it plays out. Um, and frankly, unless you're in my little circle, uh, you're pretty irrelevant. So carry on. Yeah, here's something I'll say is that everyone involved in this situation knows what really happened. Everyone involved in this situation is aware of the the you know series of events that took place, and I'm excited for the you know the truth of the matter to be confirmed and revealed. Um, yeah. Also, 
just like you, you know, as one of the smartest people I know, Rachel, um, opening your DMs was maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever seen you do. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, it's glad that you closed them. Yeah, um, we're, they're closed forever now. Like, not happening uh, anymore. Good. I could have. Uh, I, I could have told you that, <laughs> um, but no. It's yeah. So I'm just. I'm glad that. Uh, I'm glad that that. Like, I'm glad that you spoke up. You know. Um, I'm glad that that you put that out there. It took a lot of bravery. It's like you know, like you knew that you were gonna get all this this complete shitstorm of uh, of of people who just don't know the situation, who have a preconceived notion of what they think women in hockey should should be doing, and want to project their inadequacies and their um, and their sort of uh, I, I guess sort of mentality onto you. Um, but I, I hope you also saw that. 99% of or 90% of what you what you saw was was support, you know, from across the hockey world, from across the media world, um, you know, like which is also pretty rich because in your human rights complaint uh, and, and in many of the interviews you've done after, uh, it was it was said to you by a prominent um, uh, person in in the Canucks front office that no one in the media cares enough about you. Um, and, and then when you put this out, like literally every big media person. Um, and then the smaller ones, including myself, um, come out and, and show you support. So I, I think that's just a that's just an interesting way of of um, I think that's just an interesting sort of series of events that maybe speaks volumes to the situation. And uh, yeah, move on from there. So exactly. So yeah, I uh, and and for all the people that like did cover it and like supported me, kind of like behind the scenes or publicly, like I really appreciate it because going through this has been really tough. Um, and so I'm kind of happy that I can just kind of go out now and, and not worry about answering questions. Cause I can just like point them to that. Um, but now I get to do my podcast with, uh, my friend who's in the media. Um, did you know? Actually, it's my, I, I was regret to tell you, Rachel, that I don't care about you. And then, okay. and also none of, and none of my friends in the media care about you either. So okay. clearly cool. that's, so we're that's gonna why go on that premise. <laughs> Yeah, that's clearly why, you know, like, we're, I'm on death door right now and I'm doing a podcast with you because I just don't care enough about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway. You know who cares about scoring goals, though? Tage Thompson does. He's got 21 in 26 games. He scored five the other night. Um, unfortunately, did not do what Joe Thornton uh, said he would do. He did not fulfill the prophecy, if you will, um, after scoring four. But, man, 21 goals, 19 assists, 40 points. In 26 games, He's, this dude is six foot seven. He signed to like the best contract in the world now. That would that some people thought was you know like a uh, myself included. I, I thought it was extremely risky because he just came out of nowhere. And now yeah. Tage Thompson is a legitimate superstar. Yeah, like I think you know what Tage Thompson um, is like when that Ryan O'Reilly trade was made. Everyone went, ah, uh, what? And then Ryan O'Reilly went on to win the Smythe in the Stanley Cup, and people went, oh boy. Then the Patrick Berglund situation happened, and everyone went, dear God. And Jack Eichel. And it, everything went awry. But honestly, looking back now, the only way Buffalo was going to move Tage Thompson in the middle is if they traded Jack Eichel. Otherwise, he was going to stay on the wing, and he was too much of a perimeter player. He's moved to the middle now, and this is one of... Those rare, and I mean rare, instances where a player moving from the wing to the middle is better for their game. Because usually, like, usually it goes, it's the opposite, right? Center is the harder position to play. But now you've got a guy who's six foot six, who 
is he skates well, um, obviously extremely difficult to knock off the puck, but his shot, like I, I kind of was doing a bit of a deep dive in it. He always had a decent shot, but it looks like his release points got a little bit of a kick to it now. So he's able to kind of shift the angle similar to what Matthews does. It just doesn't have as much zip as Matthews right now. Um, and I think with his reach, because he's as big as he is, that small shift in angle is allowing him to get shots off um, that are more difficult to stop for goalies. And so um, I actually think his he might he's obviously not going to sustain this level of scoring. Like he's not scoring 70 goals this year. But it is absolutely conceivable that he scores 50-55 this year, for sure. That, I mean, like... We've never, I've never seen a situation like this, you know, where at least in modern hockey, where like a guy, you know, is a perimeter player and everything, and then they move him to center, like they literally put him. Like it's, there's certain like football is a lot easier for this, basketball is a lot easier for this, like in the sense that you know you have a guy who just wasn't working in a certain system, and then you take him and you plug him into a different system, or you put him in a different role, and he just in- instantly becomes way more effective, you know. Like whether it's a, whether it's, you know, like an edge rusher who, you know, doesn't have enough burst, you know, like from the outside. So you put him in the middle of linebacker or something like that. Or, or you like literally even, put any bad wide receiver with Tom Brady in his prime. <laughs> or, you, or you like take that bad wide receiver, turn him into a cornerback or something like that, or make him a slot receiver or something like you do you anything. And like very rarely does it happen in hockey because like, although, you know, everyone's do it like there's just like everything in hockey is very like this, the, the skill sets are very similar, like defense, like everyone has to know how to skate, how to shoot the puck at everything. Like that's not the same in basketball. Like some players just don't know how to shoot some player, you know, in football, like everyone, some players jobs are literally just like stand in front of someone and, and be it's a wall. Literally like, wild to me though. Like that you play in the national basketball association and like, can't make a free throw 75% of the time. And I understand it's because of like the size of your hands. Like it would be the same as me basically trying to shoot like a baseball. Um, but at the same time, like you're getting paid seven, sometimes eight figures to do this. Like maybe practice. I don't know. Like it just, it's wild to me. They're better at other stuff than like, they're better at defense. They're better at rebounding, but but like in hockey, it's because it, everyone's got to. Other than the goalie, everyone's got to do the same stuff. Everyone's got to know how to how to skate, how to shoot, how to pass. Well, you know, all that kind of like you, you would hope so. And, well. and so, very rarely does it happen where like a guy, like you plug a guy, you just literally just change his position. You go like, all right, we're gonna move you like just into the middle of the ice. We're not even gonna like. We're just gonna take you from. We're gonna move you like ten feet inwards, basically, in on the ice, and he becomes like a legitimate, like, unicorn type of superstar. Like, how many other guys in the league are this big? This guy's, like, close to Chara size. He's 25. Like, he's, so he's extremely young. He's younger than both of us. He, and he can, like, he's, he can skate. His hands in tight are incredible. His shot is, is a friggin' laser now. And he's clearly worked on it. Like, you know, he's, very rarely do you have players who are able to, um, who are able to, to, like to do all the things that he does. It, he's he's so good for the game. His progression reminds me of McKinnon. Um, in the sense that, remember, Nick, McKinnon was at a point where people were like, what is he? Like, what, like, what's going on? And then he had one year where he was just like, this is who I am. And he's not the team looked guys together back a bit around six. Him. Yeah, the team, 
and and he's never looked back since. Now, I think Don Granado once again deserves a ton of credit for saying, you know what? Tage Thompson's gonna play the middle. And and letting him make mistakes and develop, because look where that's led now. Like, to me, in the Jack Adams conversation, Rick Bonus is near the top. Um, but I think Don Granado's gotta be in the conversation, not for necessarily like how the team's doing. But look at the progression of Rasmus Dahlin, the progression of Tage yeah. Thompson, the progression of Dylan Cousins, like Paterka. There are just so many instances where you could see that Don Granado is the reason that these young kids are taking the steps that they are because they're actually, they have a coach that's allowing them to make mistakes, that believes in them, and that's putting them in better spots to succeed based on their playing style. And so I think like, he deserves a ton of credit, and Tage Thompson is ripping it up right now, and, I mean, you absolutely love to see it. Then, like you said, there's not that many in the NHL. Like, Austin Matthews, I believe, is 6'4". Yeah, um, but he's not 6'7". Like, yeah, Tage Thompson's 6'6". Six, six, I would say Matthews, I know Matthews is thicker than Thompson is because Thompson's two a C's. bit... Yeah, like, Thompson's a bit thin. He's, like, wiry. Like, he's ranting kind of style um but i'm also trying to think like there aren't that many um players that 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 play the middle of the ice that are this dominant um well another young guy is playing pretty well um and this is someone that like i was legitimately concerned about and skeptical about with his name being, you know, showing up in, in trade conversations and rumors, you know, forever, is uh, 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 Jacob Chikrin. He's playing incredible. And he's had his entire body operated on, it seems, like in the last 24 months. You know, he misses... He's literally a walking robot at this point. Yeah, he misses large swaths of time, like on a routinely... Like, I, like that... And that's what was really worrying me about the, you know, everyone saying that, you know, all these teams are going to have to give up huge packages for him. But he seems to be uh, seems to be doing it. Like he seems to be making that the, the the crazy price that the Coyotes have for him pretty justified. Like he's he's doing an incredible job. He, man, like it just he just seemed like just trade him already. <laughs> I want to see Jacob Shikram play hockey that matters. I have a wild stat for you. Hit me. And you know it's bad when I'm invoking this particular stat. Uh oh, is it plus minus? Yes. Oh, no. In eight... eight, So, Jacob Chikrin has returned from injury and played eight games. At the time of this recording. We're recording before they play the Bruins tonight. He has seven points in eight games. Yeah, incredible. Which is, like... That's good. Uh, Let me read you the plus-minus for the rest of the Coyotes' defensemen. Okay. Josh Brown, minus three. Shane Gostaspare, minus nine. Dyson Mayo, minus seven. J.J. Moser, minus ten. Patrick Nemeth, plus one. Hey. Troy Stetcher, minus four. Yusuf Alamaki, even. Jacob Chikrin, plus four. So, like, small sample size, but everybody around him is getting kicked. And uh, he is a half a goal a game at even strength better than his opponents, which... On the Arizona Coyotes this year is a wild accomplishment. So I think that speaks to what you're talking about in that he's come back in the lineup and frankly been one of the only 
redeeming qualities about Arizona since. And for me, like, I think, I mean, if you're, he clearly wants out of Arizona, so that's just not going to work anymore. He's got a super valuable contract. Incredible contract. Um, there are a couple teams, like Jeff Merrick reported that Buffalo was interested and Buffalo has the pieces, Mm -hmm. right? They had three first round picks this year, uh, this past year, and nailed all of them when they took Savoy, Ostland, and Coolidge. Like all three of those guys are going to play NHL games. And I would wager to guess that Savoy and Ostland are going to be like legit NHL players. Um, and so you could use one or two of those players to acquire Jacob Chikrin. So Buffalo clearly has the assets. Yes. LA and Anaheim, the two California teams that are kind of on the up-ish situation, um, both have the assets. I mean, LA under Michael Fuda drafted fantastic, and they continue to do so under Mark Unity. Anaheim... I mean, you could pick your poison with whatever defenseman you want there. Like, Olin Zellweger um, is probably their top-end guy in the same way that Brant Clark is the top-end prospect in L.A. Um, and so they have the the capital to be able to, to pull off that deal. I think Jacob Chikorin, um would be pretty good in either of those places. Um, but yeah, like it's, it'll be interesting to see because... Jacob Chikrin's proving the Coyotes right in that this asking price, while I think it is still a little bit high, like getting a top-end talent player and a first-round pick, basically getting two first-round picks and and something is a worthwhile um, kind of exercise. I mean, we all know the team that he re- like that w- the need would fit the most. It's the Ottawa Senators. Like that yep. that would be like that would be a huge fix for them. I mean, they're struggling. They they improve the roster a lot. We'll absolutely give them credit for it. But like this is a team that should not be losing as much as they are, and they still are. And I mean, imagine adding Chikrin in here. If I were the Sens, I would seriously explore dealing um one of Lassie Thompson or Jacob Bernard Docker, if not both of them, in a deal to get Jacob Chikrin. Mm-hmm. I believe both of them were first-rounders. Um, they have all their first-rounders I mean, from, from now until 2025. They have they have one second-rounder and two, two second-rounders next year. You know, like, they have, yes. they have prospects, and they have draft capital, and they have the need. It just makes sense. And I just, I, I think that Arizona wants, like, a player... Not just draft capital. Like, like they want like a high-end want... prospect. Oh, I, I, I thought you meant like a roster player. Well, to me, honestly, I like I got to tell you, if I'm giving up Jacob Chikrin and I'm Arizona, like Jake Sanderson is who I want coming back. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him. Like but if you're getting Olin that. Zellweger from Anaheim or Brant Clark from L.A. or Matt Savoy and Noah Oslin from Buffalo, like, Jake Sanderson's in that conversation. So then it's a matter of, okay, how badly do you want to be good on this timeline versus this timeline? Mm-hmm. Um, but you're absolutely right. Ottawa could could really use him. 
Um, well, like, he, he, that's the most logical fit. Like Ottawa. I mean, so could Vancouver, but well, yeah, I but, don't think that's gonna happen. But but like, uh, well, they don't have the assets for it. But like Ottawa does. Like Ottawa, everything ticks. Every box is ticked here. They have the need. They need a top end right shot defenseman. Every every team sort of needs that. It's the hardest thing to find in hockey, really. But like, you need like they need it. And and not only that, but like Chickering, like you said, he's on a a sweetheart of a deal. Making under five million dollars a year, he's like a he's like a borderline, if not legitimate, top pair defenseman. Um, you have the assets. You have like a, a, a massive sort of cache of of prospects. You've you you have all your first and second rounders um, in, in the in for the next three years, including this draft, which is going to be a, as they say a kingmaker. And if if your struggles keep continuing on this on this you know track record or on this path, it's going to be a top pick that you're dealing away too. Like it's going to be another. It's definitely going to be a lottery pick, but it's going to be another. It's going to be another pick that, you know, is is potentially top ten, top five. So you, like, you have the ability to do it, and it depends on if you want to. It depends on if if you want like what sort of time timetable you want to win at. Do you want like do the Ottawa Senators want to win now? I feel like they signing Claude Giroux to a multi year contract yeah. at this point and, and and trying to keep Alex Dobrynkit. Exactly, I feel like that means they want to win now. So if you want to win now, like like you if you said the rebuild's over, then the rebuild's over. Then you can't you know be precious about prospects. You know you can't you can't just be like oh yeah you know, like. As much as as you know, it's it's and it's, it's a bit of a, a a different sort of caliber of player here uh, because he wasn't a first round pick. But like the Leafs at the time, back in twenty eighteen, they desperately needed another top four defenseman. They desperately needed it for them to take advantage of their contention window, and they and so they they nutted up and they dealt a first round pick and Sean Dersey, you know, uh, to the Kings and. Look, would they would they probably like to have a you know a twenty one year old right shot defenseman who put up phenomenal points last year and is a borderline point per game player this year, uh, signed to a, a sweetheart deal moving forward? Abs- absolutely, they would. But Jake Muzzin solved a lot of a lot of key issues for them in, in the moment, and you know there's a there's a universe out there where Jake Muzzin is is like really helps the Leafs sort of like. Be, like take that next step if you know Nazem Kadri doesn't get himself suspended or this that or the other whatever, um, and the auto centers face a similar situation here where they need to like you you just you just completely uh, fortified and, and rehauled your your forward core that's great but you you know that your de- your your defense sucks like you know it like it's Thomas and Sh- your goaltending and your goaltending but it's Thomas Shabbat and pretty much guys who are just trying to hang on there and then like a rookie like Jake Sanderson who you're just throwing into the fire. If you want to be Yeah, like Artem Zub is fine. Yeah, but he's not a But on a winning on a winning team, he's a six. Exactly. Like he's not a top four defenseman on a team that can win. And so you throw that so if you wanna, you know, covet your prospects and and keep making the top five in, in every future watch uh, uh you know the issue of the hockey news or the athletic or whatever Absolutely, go ahead. I'm sure you'll like that. Your scouts will pat themselves on the back, and and you know, way to go. But if you want to win, Jacob Chicken really helps that, and you're gonna have to pay a price. But I mean, this is the timeline. Like you, you signed 34 year old Claude Giroux to, to what? It was a three year deal. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic when like Boston acquires him. Oh Jesus! Like Boston. <laughs> uh, or like yeah. honestly, I don't know. Like. Could Carolina acquire him? Maybe, but Tom Dundon doesn't give up picks or prospects, so that seems like it's not a, not on the table. Like, could a contender? Could Florida use... 
I know they were in last year, but then uh, Arizona wanted Spencer Knight, and Florida rightfully was like, absolutely not. So, hold on. Speaking of Carolina, I'm, I'm going to take us on a bit of a segue here. Okay. But, but the news broke before we started recording. I was fighting for my life when the news broke, so I couldn't even tweet about it. But Tony D'Angelo, healthy scratch in, 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 in Philly. Did you not see that? No. Tony D'Angelo is a healthy <laughs> scratch in Philadelphia. And, and keep in mind, and keep in mind, Rachel, that Tony D'Angelo is on a four-game point streak right now. Can we have a quick little sidebar? Um, Rasmus Ristolainen plus Tony D'Angelo equals more than Johnny Goudreau's salary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and not just that, but the Philadelphia Flyers paid the Carolina Hurricanes, as I talked about, <laughs> a second, a third, and a fourth round pick to, to get Tony D'Angelo just for the right, just for the, the, the privilege of giving him a multi-year contract. And, uh, and Did you in order to see do the that, faces on the draft floor when that trade broke? Oh, I was there, Did dude. you see the faces of some of the executives? Oh, yeah. Like, I saw quite a few that I will not name that were like, oh, what? Meanwhile, Eric Tulski just, like, sitting at the table, just like, hey, hey, hey. Like, insane. It's, it was nuts. Like, I, uh, it, I can't, like, first of all, Tony D'Angelo landing in Do- John Tortorella's doghouse is maybe the most, like, inevitable outcome in the history of hockey like it's literally like like i can't even think of an analogy for it it's just so inevitable um and the sky is blue literally rachel likes the grinch that's where that's the level we're talking about here and on top of that like this is not it's also just like yeah he tony d'angelo we all know that he's a he's a terrible defensive defenseman he's a good offense defenseman and he's proven that he's on a four game point streak right now and yet scratch and and so you know how bad you have to be to be a defenseman on a four-game point streak and get sat in the press box? On a team like the the Flyers who desperately, like, who can't score and desperately need, like, any offense or any, like, good... It's it's hilarious. And <laughs> so for, for Carolina to, to get that draft capital, that's hilarious. And I wouldn't be shocked if, like, if they do go go out and try and get Jacob Chirkin, which would be hilarious, if that second-round pick that Philly uh, gave them is included in, in that package. Or if any of it, like, they, a second, third, that and fourth. That would be incredible. Like, they, like, they, they just, they reap the benefits of it. Like, you, when you, you mentioning how they don't trade picks and prospects, it just reminded me of the fact that they just, like, basically got all of Philly's, like, mid-draft capital for, for a guy that they did not have plans to re-sign. It was just, oh my god, I love it. I love it. Um, all oh, right. it's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, that's enough Tony D'Angelo. Yes. The World Juniors. I'm going to be there. Uh, you want to go. Um, it's it's going to be fun. The The World Juniors is is going to be, this is going to be a, just a phenomenal tournament this year. I'm really excited. Um, mainly because, specifically with, with, with Canada, like, all of the, they've gotten so many loans from, from from NHL yeah, usually top they get clubs. one or two. Yeah, and now they have they have like Shane Wright, Brant Clark, Dylan Gunther to add to the two top picks in one of the best draft classes we're ever going to see uh, in 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 Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. You know, a guy like Logan Stankoven. You know, all of these just you know incredible, just incredible players. Like Canada is going to be stacked. The U.S. made some weird decisions, but we'll get into that. I mean, let's oh, let's talk. Canada about it. also made some. Yes. Yeah, you had some strong Weird thoughts choices. on on the interwebs about this. So why don't you? Why don't oh you, my lord! You yeah, like me? I just 
So I obviously worked on the draft a ton for my thesis uh, and while I was with the Canucks. So like this World Juniors and the next World Juniors, there's like, I have some in-depth knowledge on most of these players um, just because of the work environment I was in. And so for me, it's just like, a, I, I'm going to look at it from the lens of like, okay, this is what this player was when the team drafted him and like what they expected him to be. Where is he now in regards to that development path? So I'm going to look at that. Um, I would like to see them play against each other. I think that's important. But this gives me a moment to discuss something. Um, people put way too much stock into the World Juniors and the U18s. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, he played well for seven games at the World Juniors. You know what? Five of his eight points came against Austria. That doesn't count. Like, it's honestly, to me... A body of work over an entire season is far more important than, oh, well, he wasn't very good at X tournament. I'm like, okay, well, did you only watch those games? Like, and, and for most of the people, the answer is yes, which is why you know the World Juniors is, like, the most insane time of the year for me on Twitter because I just see people tweeting out some of the dumbest takes imaginable about guys that they didn't even know the names of until this week. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, guys, there's a lot of scouts who became long, long time or Twitter users became long, long time scouts around this time of year. Oh, my God. It's it's incredible to me. And like yesterday, I was literally sitting at lunch with somebody uh, with a scout and that scout said to me, you watch at this tournament, uh, Stapchuk's going to end up with Shane Wright or Connor Bedard because he's he just goes and gets the puck. But it's like the equivalent of putting like. Zach Hyman with Connor McDavid, but you're in a best on best tournament. Like Zach Hyman's not going to the Olympics. Like they're not taking him to play with McDavid at the Olympics. That's not how that works. So like he said that. And then because the GM of uh, Canada is the GM of the Ottawa 67s, he's like Jack Matt Mattier, who is um, plays for the 67s. He's like, he's going to get paired with somebody who's potentially going to make the team. And you watch Jack Maddie is going to end up making the team today. The pair, the the lines and the freaking pairings came out. Uh, Stapchuk's with Wright and Maddie is with Kevin Korchinski, who's like a bubble guy. But I think that'll be the bottom pairing. So I'm just sitting here and I'm like, it took like we, we, we didn't even get through day one, and we have some galaxy brain stuff happening both with the U.S. and Canada. And I think like I think Canada got it right in terms of who they invited. But um, I'm sincerely hoping that these lines are more like, oh, we're going to have scrimmages, so we need to kind of like spread things out versus like, these are the lines that we're going to go with. Because, I mean, if you're going to play Bedard on the wing, play him with Shane, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he is. And, and, like, like, that's instead of with whomever else. Like, I think you, you have to capitalize on the skill. That's what Canada has this year. They have high-end skill in the form of Bedard, Fantilli, Wright, Gunther, Stankoven. Um, like, you need to capitalize on that. You need to lean on that. Uh, so for me, it's like if, if you're not going to make the most out of the players you've been loaned and you don't win, like that's your fault. Like I think the Swedes will be good because up the middle they have Leo Carlson, who's probably going to go three or four this year. And then they have Bystead and Noah Osland. Uh, so I think Sweden's going to be pretty good, but with who Canada has loaned and who the U.S. just 
I don't know what they were doing, uh, decided to bring, the, there's no excuse that Canada shouldn't at least be in the finals. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you're you're 100% right. It'll be, it'll be com- like, extremely compelling for for me to cover. Um, I can't wait. I, I've never been to a World Juniors before. It's exciting. I mean, I might go. I'm just trying to determine some other uh, work obligations first. Um, and also, I'm actually trying to debate if I can get away from, like, if I don't have those work obligations, then I literally just might take two weeks and go on vacation. Like, just go as a fan. Like, why not? Not even. No, no, no. Like, not to the World Juniors. Like, oh, just... I literally might go to, like, my dad just bought a place uh, down south, and then we have the place, you know, in Mexico. And so I'm like, do I just take two weeks and go live at those two places and kind of just, like, disconnect? I don't know. So it's kind of, like, up in the air of, like, I'll see how I feel in terms of, like, is there a bunch of snow on the ground and whatever the case may be. Um, but the World Juniors is going to be exciting no matter where I am. I'm, I'm going to watch it because, I mean, it'll be it'll be great this year. There's tons of talent. Can't help but notice I've never gotten an invite um, for a romantic weekend uh, with myself and your sister at one of those villas. Just, uh, just a darn shame. <laughs> Side note, um, can we, like, remember we were talking about those weird DMs? I was getting, people were DMing my sister, and I know that you're, like, you would literally wage a war. No, so here's a funny story. So I, (laughs) here's a funny story. So I, it was the night of the, uh, uh, the Eric Lindros Celebrity Hockey Classic Draft Party. You know, I'm out in, up in Vaughn, uh, you know, with, you know, myself, Steve Dangle, James Myrtle, you know, Ian Tellick, former, you know, co-host of this show, uh, Omar White, Tic Tac Tomar on, uh, on on Twitter, like we're having a blast. Um, and and the whole point of this is like you know you, you literally are just like you draft your team based on you know who the like like you know who the biggest fundraiser was, and then mm-hmm. you go drink and you have you have a jolly old time. And I woke up in the morning and I looked at my phone and I didn't like and the only thing that I don't remember doing was I see a DM that I sent to your sister. <laughs> And I look at it, and it's her. She has a story of like Harry Styles, and my response was, "Not related to Harry Styles at all, but I love you." <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I have no memory whatsoever of sending this DM. And she was like, "I love you too." Like it was. <laughs> sorry. So. so <laughs> I don't know how I also did not hear about. This, I told you like, about that. You must have just forgot. It's not like anything has happened was, in your life since, but... No, there's actually been nothing. It's not like I can walk right now or uh, literally anything. You know what? Like, just... You... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure my sister actually enjoyed that DM. She's... Like, between her, she's got my boyfriend hooked on, like, horoscopes now. I'm like, oh, what God. is going on? And my sister's, like, super into crystals. So I was at Mastermind the other day getting, like, Christmas presents for my little cousins. And there was this, like, stand, and it just says, Bag of Rocks, five ninety nine. And I for? sent her a picture of it. And I was like, for Kat. <laughs> like, here. Here's your bag of rocks. Um, See, the thing is, like, because I, I know I've been on enough dates to know my, my astrological stuff. I've had enough oh people God. ask me what, you know, what day I, or what time of the day I was born and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like an Aquarius. Your moon, sun and rising yeah. something. I think I'm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I know I'm an Aquarius because I was born in February. Um, yeah, you, me and Kat are all Aquarius. Yeah, but and I'm pretty. We're Aquari- Aquarii. Aquarii. What? 
Aquarii. I guess. I'm not sure how compatible Aquarii are with each other, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. But, yeah. It, so that's... I, I at least uh, for the listeners to know that at least when I when I you know my my sort of like drunk DMing is very respectful. It's never it's never crazy. It's always just like when it comes to your sister, it was I love you. Um, okay, exactly. We and and yeah, I mean, not that this is a surprise, but I also love my sister. Yeah, I mean, wow, what a shock! You you really should come like on vacation when we go like one one of these times especially like when we go down to mexico because me and my sister on vacation are like different human beings. oh yeah like it's I'm, I'm i'm sure it gets like feral at certain points it's crazy <laughs> i have videos that i will show you that are just absolutely unhinged they're so wild but honestly like we should do uh like a friend's trip yeah mexico that weekend. could be fun Let's do it. Or no, week. not a weekend. A week. I'm not flying out. Yeah. It's a five and a half hour flight. It's like I fly to Europe for three days. That'd be great. The only I, I got to be honest though, after um, after traveling for the the Cup final, like I, I was legit in that I don't want to look at another airplane for like like the only reason why it's different with the World Juniors is we're taking Porter down there, which is way easier. Oh, like, so you don't even have to go to Pearson. Exactly, but like I like I will not step foot in Pearson Air at, you know inside Pearson Airport Man. for like a year. Like I. I literally have, I am on a first name basis with three of the airport agents at Pearson. Like all three Nexus guys, they usually have the same person working the Nexus lanes. And because I've gone back and forth to many, whether it's New York, Vancouver, whatever, um, I've literally been like, oh, hey. And they're like, you're back. I'm like, yeah. And my mom too. Like she just travels so much. Like. She hasn't lately, but when she was traveling, like, before COVID, there was a lady who was like, oh, Karen, you changed your nail color. And my mom was like, what? I will legitimately, like, <laughs> fist fight the executive, the executive board of American Airlines. Like, I will, like, I will storm. Well, American in, Airlines sucks. I will storm <laughs> into their boardroom and I will, and I will have, like, engage in fisticuffs with everyone who is involved. <laughs> like, I, they made my, they made our lives hell for a bit and i and i will and i will shower in their blood all right what is behind the leaf success well the leafs are freaking great like they just they 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 haven't allowed a goal all week you know they haven't allowed a goal since like you know we're recording this on friday so if you're listening to this on saturday and they allow a goal against the flames you know which they are because nazem kadri is oh 100 100 scoring 100 um but he uh <laughs> The Leafs, they, they blank the stars in what Money Puck uh, said due to expected goals saved uh, or uh, is um, the best modern shutout in NHL history with uh, Matt Murray, his 44 save shutout against the good. stars. And then last night, they absolutely beat the crap out of the Kings, like, like insanely so. And it made me feel really bad because Sean Dursey, I was speaking to him before the game, uh, like after morning skate, and he told me that he has two hundred people north of two hundred people came to go see him last night. Like it, uh, like he so he, he bought as many like, he he maxed out the amount of tickets he could get, and then on top forty grand on tickets. Yes, like he literally he probably dropped like like twenty to 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 forty grand on tickets, and the team gets pumped five nothing. Um, and, Oof. and on top of that, he gets booed. He gets, yes, he gets into a fight with Pierre Engvall. Pierre Engvall, like, like, sla- like sort of slashes Being a him. dumb, dummy. Yeah, that yeah. was extremely stupid. So Engvall gets kicked out of the game. The crowd doesn't like it. And for the rest of the game, 
Sean Dursey gets mercilessly booed. Like, this isn't just, like, a couple. This was the entire building. And I, like, it, it was, I felt so bad for him because this is a guy, like, before the game, you know, I was interviewing about it because I'm going to write a feature about him, and he was telling me about, you know, oh, man, like, I, I uh, like, I, I watched my first hockey game here. Like, whenever I was able to go to a game with my dad, it was the best. Like, my, le my favorite least player growing up was, or my favorite player growing up was Brian McCabe. Like, he was just so great. I loved it. I remember interviewing him after his first training camp, but he was still with the Leafs, and he was like, oh, it was just so cool to, like, work with Tavares and everything. Like, I can't believe I'm so starstruck. He gets traded, comes back. He has 200 people. I don't even know 200 people. He has 200 family and friends on, <laughs> on hand. And it goes about as poorly as it possibly could, save for him getting, like, a life-altering injury on the ice. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, it, it, it was terrible. I felt so, so bad. Like, that, like, the, like, the meetup in the, in the tunnel after or whatever, like, it must have been so awkward. So, I just, just uh, shout out to Sean Dursey and his family. I felt bad for that. Yeah, so, like, First of all, if somebody gets, if there's a dive involved, fine, I can get behind it. But if you're booing somebody as a result of somebody on the team you cheer for getting a five-minute penalty for intent to injure, um, I, I think you probably need to reevaluate yourself. <laughs> because, like, I looked at what Pierre Engvall did, and that's absolutely a major. It's absolutely... A major accidental or not, you cannot use a weapon and slash somebody in the head. That's dangerous. So I don't understand why people were booing, um, especially because it's not like LA scored on the power play. Um, so I found that to be like super weird. But last time I was on, we like did a deep dive into the Devils and like why they were successful and why we thought it was sustainable. And they're still good. Like, <laughs> they're still good. Um, they sure so are. So now we'll do the Leafs. We're probably going to end up doing Vegas and Boston at some point because Boston's, like, embarrassingly good. Um, but, yeah, like, the, basically the difference between Toronto and Boston in terms of the standings is Toronto is flaming hot dumpster in overtime. Like, their overtime record's, what, one and six? It's in a... It it's, yeah, it's one and six. It's bad. It's inevitable. It's, it's inevitable that they're going to lose when it gets to overtime. So if 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 the Leafs had just like converted three of those, they'd probably be in a better spot. But as of as it stands right now, they are second in the Atlantic behind only Boston. Um, but what's interesting is like John Cooper made some interesting comments in that he said. Like last year, Toronto was playing six five five four games, and this year they're playing two one games. Mm -hmm. And given the injuries that Toronto has, I don't think Sheldon Keefe and his staff are getting nearly enough credit for the system they run. Oh, absolutely! Because effectively, yeah. the system they're running allows them to plug Guy, aka Mac Hollowell, into the lineup and not concede. Just a billion goals, dude. There being so many right? guys, there being like Matt, like it allows them to plug Mac Hollowell, Victor Mette, uh, Jordy Ben, uh, Connor Timmins, who's only been on in you know on the Leafs for a couple. Like I actually for, really like Connor. I do Timmons. too. I think he's going to be a solid piece for them. Oh, I do too. I think it's great. He like him getting a, a point last night makes him the seventh former Sue Greyhound to record a point for the Leafs this year, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. But like. Like, the, the amount of, like, bodies that they've just sort of cycled through on the back end, like, you know, even, 
Like the, you look at the, the the players that have played for the Leafs defensively this year, and the fact that they are their record. It's basically is what it Colorado is. up front is what's happening. Like there's just dudes on the back. It's Mark Giordano and guys. Yeah, like but like they friggin' <laughs> they like they they were putting Philip Crawl back there for a bit. They were putting like you know like oh, and what's interesting is what have you so you. Like obviously the goaltending. Let's let's just get that yeah, out there. Incredible. I have I want I got a question for you. So the, the Leafs goaltending is nine twenty, and the league average is eight ninety nine. So uh, yeah, league that's average good. is being in, like goaltending around the league this year. They're top top like three in high danger saves, scoring chances saved, and they have the best save percentage at low danger chances. Which means the Leafs goalies are not giving up bad goals like the back breaking absolutely awful ones right and so when you combine a solid defensive system with goaltending that isn't giving up the the awful goals like that is a recipe for long-term sustained success Mm -hmm. um and then you talk about the fact that like the stars are playing well. Matthews has 10 5-on-5 points in his last six games. Mitch Marner is breaking Leaf records. He's on, he's on a 21-game point streak right now. Kind of hard to break considering the franchise is over 100 years old. Tavares is a point per game. He has 14 power play points, so he's helping them click on the power play. But, the, like, what have you... You've watched every Leaf game. Mm. What have you noticed about Sandine and Lilligren? Because I keep seeing a lot of people say that they, under the way that the system is going right now, they seem to have taken a step that actually could really help the Leafs in a long run. Like, what are you, what have you seen out of them? Um, well, they, they definitely have. Um, Sandine struggled mightily to start the year. Like I'm like, he definitely was a guy who, you know, in certain, and certain players, like, like there are certain players who need a training camp and there are certain players who don't like, I think everyone needs a training camp, but there are certain players that will get burned for it, for it more. Nylander got burned for not having one. But like, even like, like Timothy Lilligren, like he missed all of training camp, he was hurt. He came in against the best team in the league, and he looked—he looked not only as good as last year, but better. Um, but what what I what I was looking at at with them is is the poise, like, and I know that's a okay. very like hockey man type of word to say, like. That's an extreme hockey man. But I, I will, and but I will say like it, it is like they both are. They're not panicking. They're taking some extra time. Um, you know when like they they really are taking extra time to. Um, uh, to to recover pucks, to move pucks. You know, there's a very and like they're playing the system, and and the system is you know don't ru- like it's it's almost the complete opposite of the Babcock system, is that like it's it's a don't rush it system, it's a patience system. You know, it's yes, it's supposed to be up tempo, but like if you go up, uh, if if you're moving the puck out of your own zone, and you don't see an outlet, you're supposed to curl back. You're supposed to curl back and let you know let the ice open back up again, and then find an outlet. Um, opposed to the Babcock thing where it is where if there's no one uh, in front of you, then just literally like, like just fire it up the boards and hope that someone will grab it. Um, that's a bad idea. by Exactly. <laughs> but like both of them are so just like in, in Lilligren himself, like, so like Lilligren in the past, he was very good positionally I found, but when he got, when he, when he got the puck, he would, I don't want to say overthink it, but he'd panic a bit. His shot, he'd fan on a lot of shots. He'd miss a lot of passes. He'd struggle to maybe keep the puck in the blue line, like it, you know, in in the offensive zone right of the blue line. You know, it'd just be like little sort of, like little little, uh, you know, clearly gripping the t- gripping the stick too much or, or something like that. This year, there is a poise that he knows he belongs. And actually, which is interesting. It's interesting you say that about Lilligren because when the Leafs drafted him, first of all, he fell to seventeen because he had mono. Yeah. Um, 
but his his calling card was his offense. Yeah, he was he was the, and defensively he, he was everyone right was now. like this could be a problem. Um and now since he was developed at the Marlies, now he's extremely sound defensively I find and it's almost like his offense has gone away a little bit. So if he can find that offense again, um the Leafs got something for sure for sure. Well, it, it's funny, uh, yeah, is that he's he he has become the inverse of the player that I thought he was going to be and that everyone thought he was going to be because I, I thought he was going to be like Goss Despair. Yeah, I I well the, the thing was everyone was like comparing him to Eric Carlson which was just unfair and that's mainly just because Wait, he's Yeah, don't Swedish. do that. Stop comparing people to let's like we're going to make a rule yeah. right now. Nobody, first of all, comparisons are dumb. Yes. Don't do they them. Never that's work. lazy. Uh, you're not allowed to compare anybody to Eric Carlson. You're not allowed to compare anybody to Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid or Kale McCarr, even for that matter. Um, like you're just, just don't because there's not enough of a body of work to be like, oh yeah, this, this player is this. Like I'm seeing Connor Bedard compare. He's got like this person's skating and this person's hockey sense. Like don't do that. Every player is their own player and odds are the player that you're comparing them to is like the league is going to be in a different place by the time that player achieves mm-hmm. their prime. So there's not really a use in doing it. Just talk about what the player does well, what they need to improve on and, and go from there. Um, so you could say like, instead of saying, Oh, I thought he was going to be Goss fair, or I thought he was going to be Carlson, which I don't know why anybody would say that. Um, you, like, oh, I thought he was going to be a purely offensive defenseman uh, with no defense, which would ironically be what Tony D'Angelo is. Um, but like, it's. I think it's just better to talk about the attributes of a certain player. So like when you're talking about poise and, and things like that, like I've noticed that at a Lilligren. I didn't know Sandine had confidence mm-hmm. issues, but when I had been watching the past few games, I've I've heard it mentioned that oh, like Rasmus Sandine looks so much better than he did to to start the there. year. Obviously, at the start of the hockey season, I had uh, some things to do. Um, so that's that's interesting that that's your perspective. Do you think like let's say Toronto has their three big guys? Well, no. We're gonna leave Muzzin out of this. Yeah, he's. Let's he's say not back. Riley, Brody, and Gio. Yeah, I would say Gio. Like, what are your D pairings day game one in April? That's a really good question. Um, I think I, I think we gotta go. Uh, Riley Brody, um, Gio Hall, and then Sandy and Lilgren. Okay. Muzzin's out of the lineup. I don't think he's coming back. Um. Like I think Justin Hall, like while he's played well down this particular stretch and deserves credit for it, is gonna get exposed in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Like I think he's gonna, you have again. to develop Lilligren to be able to be your four, and Hall can play with Sandine and be the six. I don't. Because... I don't want to split up them up though. I don't want to split. I, I don't want to split Sandy and Lilligren up because they really do just work so well together. They really do have that telepathy you know that then would you consider even like riley giordano that'd be cool if one of them is like i think giordano can play the right if giordano can play the right that'd be fantastic i i really do like i also i'm because then you've got your top like and and it takes a little bit off of brody and brody can dominate those like 
bottom six matchups, and then you could still use him on the PK. The only issue I'd worry about is Giordano breaking yeah, down. Exactly. But look, if he hasn't broken down to this point, then like this guy is, is yeah, I know. He's so like 25 much. minutes a night. <laughs> I know. And, and he is, he's just the best guy to talk to. Like he will literally like this guy's playing. He's this guy's almost 40 years old. He's playing 25 minutes a night now. And he will literally talk to reporters for like an hour after morning scale. Like he'll just chill and we can just ask him. Whatever you can tell that guy's been a captain in a Canadian market. A hundred percent. You can just tell he is the best. Like he is, he, he's awesome. Like, I do. I. I don't. I don't think Justin Hall should be in there, but I don't know of a better right shot option. And I do think that out of anything, the Leafs should definitely go after another forward, like on the on the trade market. Like I don't think they should be going for another D. That should be their priority at least. Um, but I do think that adding another like sort of like maybe middle six, like or not middle six. Sorry, uh, another sort of like. Uh, uh, second or third pair right shot defenseman, a guy who can move the puck. Like, I do think that that should be somewhat of our, a priority, um, just well, so it doesn't force Justin if Hall. The Leafs, if the Leafs can get Jacob Chikrin, I think they absolutely should. They should, but they won't. Like, Yes, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if they can get him, they absolutely should. I don't know how that would work. But I am going to look at something here, because I have a a theory. What's your yes. theory? Okay. So, the Canucks and Besser are looking for a trade. Alex Kerfoot makes 3-5, and Pierre Engvall makes 2-2-5, and both are UFAs after this year. Mm. And both right. maybe shouldn't come back. Uh, Correct. I think you could look at a trade where, because the Canucks have made it clear that they do want to have contracts that kind of um, expire because it gives them cap flexibility, and that is absolutely what they should be doing. I think that if you could package Kerfoot and Engvall, because they're not, like, the Canucks are not, they'd be lucky right now if they got a third-round pick for Besser, um, just because he's a depleted asset for, for many reasons, and I, I mean, obviously I worked with Brock, um, I have all the time in the world for him. Um, I think if you centered a trade around that, that gets you a, that's a proper goal scorer. Like if you play him with, in the top six there, that's a, that's a proper goal scorer. So then you potentially have a line that's got, um, Matthews on it and you could put Besser on another line, or you could put Besser on a third line and you got three, three scoring lines. I just think that. Uh, there could be something there. I know Besser's been mentioned in Washington for Anthony Mantha. I don't really think that helps Vancouver in any way because um, Mantha's contract's also bad. Um, and this is Toronto's contending window. So, like, does Alex Kerfoot and Pierre Engvall help you more in the playoffs than Brock Besser does? I don't think they do. Pierre Engvall, or not Pierre Engvall, um, a friend of mine, uh, and I, I, I can only say this on a podcast, I can't tweet it, but, like, the came up with the best nickname um, for maybe any hockey player I've ever heard. Um, and it, it relates to, to Alex Kerfoot and that he's the mid army knife. <laughs> he is mid no matter that's where good. you play him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty close. I'm not going to get into the nickname that a certain Vancouver Canucks player has on the podcast. Yeah, but he is, um, he is the, Alex Kerfoot is the mid army knife. He is like, you can play him anywhere. But he's gonna be mid everywhere, and it's 
He's exactly. a frustrating. He's just a, a, such a frustrating player. Like he overthinks everything. That's why I think something like that with Vancouver could work because they're both expiring. So Vancouver gets what they want. Um, and Besser's a depleted asset. So like you can't expect, I mean, it's been talked about whether it's LeBron or Friedman um, or Dreger, like the Canucks know they're not getting what they would usually get for Besser because he's a depreciated asset. Um, I think it's something that could potentially work for both teams. In the caveat that says Jake Muzzin does not return. Because if Muzzin's on LTIR, then you can make that cap work with, with no issues. And I don't think he is. Like, he, like he's getting reevaluated in February. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if that reevaluation is that he should not play. Ever again. Yeah. like he's, I have uh... spoken to quite a few people um, that think he might not play again and if he does he'd be taking a serious risk kind of thing and then you hear things like what Mitch Marner said and it it sucks because Jake Muzzin from a leadership perspective as well is a very key part of the Toronto Maple Leafs and when Jake Muzzin's actually on his game he is he brings an element to the blue line that is super important and imagine if the blue line was Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Giordano, Sandy, and Lilligren, and Hall was your seven. That'd be perfect. Then you're feeling a lot better about yourself. That's perfectly balanced. Yeah, like I think, and, and don't get me wrong, the Leafs are absolutely a great team. Um, they've had sustained regular season success, but you need to be making moves with an eye to April, May, and June, not an eye to March. And so for me, I think that the Leafs have always had issues scoring in the playoffs. I mean, they didn't have issues defensively last year against Tampa Bay. They need a second-line left-winger, especially with, uh, with, with Robertson out for significant time. They need, they need someone. They need, another, they need another scoring winger, specifically a left-winger. Like, it's just, you look at, the, you look at the, second, the second power play unit, and if you have to dip into, into Kerfoot and... Uh, and that's why I think Besser, especially because Besser's a really good power yeah. play guy. Like, he's a shooter, but he can also play the net front. And so it's one of those things where, like, he, he can he can occupy a bunch of uh, uh, different spots. Um, I think we, if memory serves me, we tried Besser on the left in training camp. Uh, with Petey, maybe? Um, I don't, I can't recall if he had success or not. Um, but I think that's something that's worth a shot. Um but yeah, I agree with you. They the Leafs need to acquire um, some scoring to augment the fact that they are playing really well defensively, yes. and I think that really should be. And I think Kyle Dubas deserves a ton of credit because I didn't know of one person that said these goaltending decisions, they their gambles they took in the in the summer were good. I know some people. I was one of them that said I think this could work out, but I'm not convinced. Like you and I had discussions about that. It's, it was dicey, um, man. I was more, and the thing you, is, cause I, you asked me, you're like, uh, I hate this. Can you explain to me why anybody would do this? I was more excited about Samsonov than I was about Murray. Like I thought like Samsonov right. was the, was the guy who, you know, I thought Murray was just sort of like, we'll try him out and whatever. But he was, he was, Samsonov was the guy who was being groomed. And now like Murray is, they're both two of the best goalies in the league this year, but Murray is looking like his Stanley Cup winning form. It's incredible. And I think Curtis Sanford has a lot to do with that. Oh, Curtis 100%. Sanford is an Ian Clark disciple. And having worked with Ian Clark, I mean, yeah, I can see. 
I can see why the Leafs goaltending looks pretty good this year. Like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Both those guys will not shut up about Curtis Sanford. They love him. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, that does not surprise me in the slightest. And I think, like I said, I think Kyle Dubas deserves a ton of credit for not only hiring the right goaltending coach in Curtis Sanford, but also, as it looks here in December, which is enough of a sample size, uh, the goaltending doesn't look like it's going to be the problem everybody thought it was going to be. Now that I've said that, in April, they're going to have an 820. Can't wait. Well, at least, you know, like <laughs> at least that won't be much of a change from what's happened in recent years. Um, all right. We can talk briefly about Ryan Reynolds before I literally pass out on, on Mike. Um, Ryan Reynolds. That would be bad. Is going to, like, they clearly want this to happen. It would be great for the NHL if, if Ryan Reynolds did take over, uh, like, did become, sort of lead a group, um, an ownership group, to buy the Ottawa Senators. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's exactly what the what the league needs. Yeah, like to me I I I've been told similar to what was reported that um both groups there's kind of two groups that are ahead of the pack in terms of bidding for the Sens. Um and they've kind of both been told like Ryan Reynolds is going to be a part of your group mm-hmm. if you're chosen to buy the Sens. So it, it seems like Whichever group buys the Sens is going to have Ryan Reynolds. And I think, like you said, I think it's going to be fantastic, uh, not only for the Sens, but I think it's going to be fantastic for the league as well. Um, anytime you can get somebody like that uh, involved, um, I think that's a positive. That's a positive marketing thing for your league. Um, I mean, look what Snoop Dogg does for LA, and he's not even an owner. Um, I look at Will Ferrell being involved at LAFC, and Justin it's been Bieber in Toronto last fantastic. night. Yep, but he like he's not really a part of ownership. But I'd love to see like Bieber in some kind of capacity of like a an ambassador, kind of like Drake is with the Raptors. Well, he wasn't like um, he's not even a part like part of the ownership, and yet like you know he shows up to the game and everyone's talking about it. Yeah, like I took a picture of it, and ESPN and Bleacher Report and all that. They all DM me last night to see if I could use it so they could promote it and all that. Like it's. Like it, it, yeah, it's it's not Kodak Black showing up, which to was game. hilarious. It's Justin Bieber, which was absolutely like, hilarious. I love that. Oh my god, um, so funny. But yeah, but yeah I, like I think I think, I think having Ryan Reynolds will be super positive. Yeah, like I don't know what else there is to say. Like it's that's he's no. just he's very. I want it. He would be great. I want it. He needs to show up at as Deadpool though. He needs to he needs to do like de- they need to have a Deadpool night, and Ryan Reynolds has to come out to center ice for Deadpool night, and then reveal himself as Deadpool. The thing is, Rachel, is that. Like, by the time this sale goes through, Ryan Reynolds will be starring in maybe the biggest movie of the last couple of years, which is Deadpool 3. And it's notable because they're bringing back Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Uh, yes! Yeah. So, and, and so that'll be... So if he takes over as, uh, as the Senators, like, as part of the Senators' ownership group at the time that he's promoting in, like, the promotional schedule leading up to one of the biggest, like, movies, uh, or at least, like, comic book movies ever... Um, that's going to be that's going to be a massive boon for the league. Like they can they can jump yeah. on that even if he even mentions the senators in like press junkets for this movie. Like that that will be, be huge. It's a big deal. And maybe he can get Hugh Jackman in on it too. That'd be great. Um I think we've reached the end of the road though, Rachel. Um we have I have to go eat my advent calendar and uh put ice on my freshly blown out knee. Terrific. <laughs> I thought you were going to when you went I got to go eat my at I was like, uh, what's, how's this going to end? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> advent calendar. Okay. Very good. Advent, you want to see it? Look how big this sucker is. 
I just ate the same one. Hold on. I already ate my entire I got... thing. Oh my it's god. It's all gone. Okay, well, I actually, I have three advent calendars. I don't know why. Um, the thing is, I ate them, my dad got I ate them me, all, like, but the... I ate the days in order. Okay. Had... I mean, I got a Lindor in mine. What? Yeah, so there's two types of Lin advent calendars. There's, like, the regular Lin advent calendar, and then there's, like, this one that my dad got me that's, like, I guess, like, a special version of it. It's freaking two feet wide. I guess I got... Uh, oh, I got a bear in the middle. Oh, you got this guy? Let's see. Yes, I got that guy. Yeah. That was on the on so, the 24th, like on Christmas Eve. Advent calendar talk. Oh, yeah, I got mine. That was like day five. Oh, okay. Well, there you um, go. Um, yeah, so I, I've been eating... And I've been on a baking kick. I bake these like really cool sugar cookies, and they're actually really good. So maybe I'll bring you some. I would absolutely love that. When you feel better. I would love that. Right. In the meantime, well, I'm going to go pass out. Uh, this was great. Can't wait for the next Rachel episode. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>